The world didn't need another hockey podcast. It needed a better one. Bear witness to the two-man forecheck. Good morning, Chris. Good morning, Mike. We are into silly season. Um, It feels like millions upon millions of contracts have been signed, and I only know hundreds and hundreds of thousands of those players. Um, Not quite that many actually were signed. Some off-ice news, um, which isn't surprising this time of year. Some of it pretty good, some of it soap opera worthy, and um, yeah, nasty relationships. Um, uh, what appears to be a divorce in the <laughs> in the offing, um, a ugly, ugly relationship between a player and a team. Oh, so there's divorce between player and team, and divorce. Uh... Yeah, that West Coast kid. Yeah. That one, no. That one's looking like it's going to get ugly. Yeah. Uglier. We will get into that a little bit, I suppose. Uh, Should we start off with just going over some signings? Um. Didn't uh, or or. Yeah, let's just like just grab like three or four of the best or and or worst signings uh, that you saw. Well, I, I just want to first. I want to mention that imitation is the sincerest form of flattery, uh, because the two gentlemen that were not tendered qualifying offers by the Boston Bruins have both signed contracts with the Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, Nick Ritchie and <laughs> Andre Kasha. Andre Kasha. Both signed yeah. contracts with the Maple Leafs. So I don't know if they're just try. They've given up and they're just going to try and do what Boston does and hope that they catch lightning in a bottle or what. But see, that's uh, another thing. That's another team I just don't understand. <laughs> like I like Nick Ritchie. I told everybody he. I thought he was a great uh, first, uh, a great seventh player uh, candidate, and I believe he actually won it last year. Nick Ritchie won it last year. Uh, against my skater. against my vote of Connor Clifton, but you know. Yes, we know. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> let's take a look at that team. Which team? You know, Toronto. Wayne Simmons, it's horrible. <laughs> Wayne Simmons, who is starting to look hockey old. Yeah, I, and and we we both liked Wayne Simmons for forever since yeah. he was in L.A. Literally, oh, yeah, forever. Jason Spezza, who actually is hockey old. Yes. Um, you've got Andre Kasha has health issues. More specifically, concussion issues, unfortunately, and I don't wish those on anybody. Yeah, those. Uh, that's not a good sign. Um, you've got uh, you've got their thirty million dollar men. Well, as the as I've heard, you know, they got and forty million dollars tied up in four players. Mm-hmm. Good call. Um, I I don't quite understand how this roster is supposed to win a Stanley Cup anytime after the year two thousand. Anytime, <laughs> okay. Like almost. 
like with the with the exception of Jason Spezza, mm-hmm. um, I don't know that. Any of the, I don't think any of the players on this roster, maybe Riley Morgan and um, Wayne Simmons, like none of those players, with the exception of those three, like none of those players had stopped wetting the bed yet when a roster that looked like this was a contender for a Stanley Cup. Jake Muzzin, yes, he's the highest paid defensive uh, defenseman, and he's a pretty solid defensive defenseman. Yeah, but the rest, maybe Rasmus Sandin is reasonable two ways, but he's 21. <laughs> Travis Dermott, eh. Justin Hall, eh. TJ Brody, not no. not not the best defenseman in the league. Not in his own zone. Sorry. Uh, if that's news to you, I apologize. <laughs> I'll break it to you a little more gently next time. Riley Morgan. No. TJ, yeah, no. TJ Brody was the better because I always get him and Tyson Barry confused. Who was with Cat? Was with Colorado. TJ Brody was the one with Calgary. He was. He was better. Tyson Tyson Barry was the one that. Yeah, I don't know if he drew Barry a map. I don't know if he drew a map. He could find his way back to the defensive zone, but you know. I don't think TJ Brody is awful in his own zone. Like I don't, he's not someone who makes me cover my eyes every time he's defending. Uh, but still, no. yeah, no. And then they completely revamped the goaltending because they brought in Jack Campbell last year. And now they've signed Peter Morazic who like him, don't like him. Sometimes good. The problem with him is the inconsistency. And that's, and I find that more, I find that, I find that more aggravating than someone who is merely bad. Like if you give me a consistent 907 goaltender, I'm willing to deal with that. But look at the 1718 season for him. 22 games in Detroit, a 9-10 save percentage. Mm-hmm. Goes to Philly, who admittedly didn't have the best defense in the planet, <laughs> and in nearly the same number of games, has an 8-9, has an 8-91. Jump okay. backwards two years to Detroit, who still didn't have, uh, in the 15-16 season, they didn't have a good, a great defense. It wasn't even good. He made three playoff appearances, so they were not completely terrible. But he had a 921 save percentage. He had a 945 in those three playoff games, too. But, I mean, you know, the which, rest of his playoff Peter, appearances, 857, 894, 873, 929, 925. <laughs> which, huh? which Peter Morazic huh? is going to show up is the question. And that's the thing. Like, if you know you need to score four goals a night, in order for your goalie to give you a chance to win and you're willing and you're able to build a team that can do that. Great. But if you have a guy who looks like, who looks like the second coming of Dominic Hasek for three weeks and then looks like (laughs) 
<laughs> uh, red light Rassico. Then looks like he then looks like a 55 uh, gallon steel drum for a month and a half. You know, would, kind of. <laughs> uh, it's it's impossible to plan and it's demoralizing for the team. And I mean, not just the players, but the coaches, too, because remember, if you're if you're trotting out a 901 goaltender for 50 games in your season, mm-hmm. like Detroit did in 1617, uh, guess what? It probably means he's your best option. Yeah, that's that's not fun. No, not fun so- for anyone. I don't know that Toronto has improved themselves. I mean, and will eventually get into Boston, whether it's this show or another show, but Boston really, I don't know that they've improved much either. Boston is very new. I'm not sure they're improved. And we'll say, well, if we have time for Boston, when we get through the other stories, um, we'll just dive in for like 15, maybe 20 minutes max. But um, there's a lot to scream about. There's some good stuff that happened, some bad stuff that happened. Yeah. But right now, why don't we talk about that uh, possible pending divorce out on the West Coast? Uh, yeah, I just actually caught that this morning. Uh, I I remembered him having to declare bankruptcy back. What was it during the season or prior to just prior, snap? I believe. Uh, where he had to declare bankruptcy. I mean, this is a guy who has a seven-year, $49 million contract or something like that. Yep. I, 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 and he's declaring bankruptcy. Okay. I mean, I understand that there's need for athletes to get some sort of financial planning assistance and it seems to happen more often than one would imagine. But now it's getting pretty bad because his pre- and we're talking about Evander Kane who plays for the San Jose Sharks uh, now it's coming out that Evander Kane's wife is ripping him up and down on Instagram claiming that he is a gambling addict and that he's bet on San o- he's thrown San Jose Sharks games he's bet on San Jose Sharks games He's abandoned her and the unborn son, she's claiming son, uh, unborn child, and his one-year-old daughter. I, I, I Ugly is probably not a strong enough word for all of this. I, there's a whole lot to unpack in this. Um <sighs> One, I mean, if you read her Instagram messages, she's talking about him partying all the time. Um, his Some of his responses, I don't know what medium they went across on, but he's asking her to leave keys and clear everything out for, um, for, the, real, for the realtor so it can be sold uh, on a given property uh, and leave the keys to his car in the house, whatever. Um, I don't know what exactly is going on here. I will say that given how completely terrible the San Jose Sharks were, the idea that someone was actually throwing those games, it's it's a little bit of a stretch. I think it's a I, – I, I mean, personal I mean, it's feelings. possible he whiffed on a shot or two. 
but for him to actually throw the games, come on. We saw the numbers that Martin Jones put up. Um, The man man had 49 points in 56 games this year. He had 47 points in 64 games in his – in the the shortened season. I I mean, 56 points in 75 games. He's not his his production is uh, you know it's where it should in be. proportion to where in proportion to the number of games he plays his production hasn't decreased. I'm looking at the actual raw numbers. I've seen San Jose Sharks games and watching it, watching the games, watching him play, he doesn't appear to be doing what she's claiming because he's out there, he's hitting, he's still physical, he's scoring goals. 22 goals, 27 assists, which for him is huge. I mean, he typically he has more goals than assists. Last season, he was actually more of a distributor, if that's possible for him. I mean, he he did come into the league as a center, um, and so the distribution has been there. It's not been primary, but. Um, yeah, there's something hinky going on here. Um, I don't know. And, and, and my, my, my second thought was that is she in some way feeling, uh, like this is a way to get back at him, like getting with him. Like, I don't know why she would throw accusations either. I don't. So it's okay. If we take the. If we take the throwing games out of the equation, and that's a serious, serious thing, and Evander Kane's agent says that it's not true. He says it's seri- it's a serious accusation, but not true um, in the uh, New York Post article. But if we take that out, it just everything else that she said is enough to tick off most people. And I know a couple of single young mothers who uh, are really, really vocal about their displeasure with, uh, with their children's father. Yeah. I don't know what, what sort of income she has, what she did for a living or does for a living. um, And whether she's been doing that, during the pandemic or, and during, you know, or since the birth of uh, the first child, but. She said she had to sell the wedding ring. In yeah. Order to um, see, to me, that sounds like a. Like as a rule. For most people, if they're selling their wedding ring, that's a last resort, like mm-hmm. literal last resort. Yeah. Um. What. What else has been sold prior to this? I just, I, again, I'm not, I'm not discounting the poss- the probability, high probability, that Evander Kane does have a gambling problem. But I'm, I'm kind of curious how the stats back that up, and where you can look at the footage and say, oh yeah, he should have had. You can 100% say. He should have had that shot and that shot and that shot because didn't he score four goals in a game this past season or was that last year? I, I, I off the top of my head don't remember, 
Because I, I know he scored the four goals because it was a huge deal. Remember, but, in hockey, to be an average goaltender, you have to save 91.5% of goals. Like, you legitimately yeah. have to, 91.5% of the time, the goaltender wins. I mean, Vegas, uh, Vegas would love those odds to win 91.5% of their bets. So his his shooting percentage, if you want to try and find some way of evaluating, last season 11.3, shortened season 12.0, 2018-19, 11.2, Four seasons in a row above 11%, and they're all within eight-tenths of a point, eight-tenths of a percentage point. Yeah. Uh, there's no drop. That that's my argument. There's no drop off in performance. The shooting percentage is pretty much been the same. I mean, the the shortened season being at twelve is actually the highest of his career. But eleven three, eleven two, eleven three for the other three seasons. It's like a no drop-off. He's playing 20 minutes a night last year, 19 and a half. Year before that, 18. Year before that, 2015. It's like uh, he's still playing 20 minutes a night. He's still got the same shooting percentage. His face-off percentage is atrocious. Always has which been. Is, which is why they play him on a wing, I would assume. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, seriously. I mean, hits. He had 97 hits. He had 22 block shots, which is average for about average for him because the season before 25, year before that 25. So it, it, I'm trying to find where the letdown is if he was doing what his estranged wife or whatever they're calling her in the newspaper, his current wife is, is accusing him of throwing games and betting on his own games. And I'm not seeing the actual numbers evidence that would back that up i'm not saying he isn't i'm not calling her anything i'm just stating a fact the numbers the physical the physical statistics the numbers don't back up her accusation and we know from all of history that when people are upset rightly or wrongly they say things nasty things about other people some of which are true and some of which are fanciful. I mean, as far as as far as being the husband being there, going out and partying, that's all personal stuff that you're not going to be able to back up unless you know the situation. I can't go looking to find evidence of that. I, I mean, if you want to make one argument, it's that, yes, he might have some sort of gambling issue because – a Las Vegas casino is suing him for $500,000. That's public record. You can't lie about it. You can't hide it. Hey, hey so if, if that, he has a gambling uh, problem, that explains the, that explains the bankruptcy two years into a 7 million or so contract. Right. Um, none of, none of I it mean, explains. We've seen, we've seen other players who have gone bankrupt because, their financial people, their management staff have royally used them. Yeah. Um, 
and it happens in other it happens in other leagues and in other yeah I mean uh, around here famous one is Antoine Walker who had contract for like a hundred million dollars with the Celtics and he declared bankruptcy as well so it's like it they don't get the financial education, whether it's staying, whether it's the staying in school, whether, whatever it may be. They they don't have the financial sensibilities. <laughs> yeah, and they hire Wisdom. people who take advantage of them. So uh, there was a, even a hockey player who had his family take advantage of him and run Jack him Johnson. Yeah. Jack Johnson. Yep. That was a couple of years ago, wasn't it? Before he went to Pittsburgh. He was still with Columbus at the time, I think. That's correct. Uh, yeah, a rough stuff. I, I don't know where this is going to go. I mean, I wish, uh, I wish that if he does have an issue, that he can find a way to work it out. Uh, for the family's sake, I hope that he and his wife can work it out. But if not, at least find some. Some way not to leave a lifetime record of sparring in the media for their children to discover. Well, that's the thing. You got the one-year-old and the unborn who's going to come into this. It's like, yeah, that if, – if for no other reason than those two, your children, you know, you got to find some way of civilizing this. Absolutely. Um Let's uh, move to the other nasty divorce that's uh, going on, and that one's not quite on the East Coast, but I guess you could call it on the east on the East Coast of the Great Lakes. Okay. Um, the never-ending ballad of Jack Eichel has uh, had a couple of interesting new uh, verses composed. Mm-hmm. For those who haven't kept up. <laughs> Jack Eichel was drafted by the Sabres a couple of years ago, the same year as Austin Matthews was drafted. He's had a lot of hard luck in the city, um, <clears throat> a lot of hard luck on the ice. And last year during the season, he suffered a neck injury. The team said, oh, just just uh, we'll do you don't need surgery. Just rest and relax, and then get back on the ice. You'll be fine. Jack Eichel went, got a second opinion, and the second opinion said, yeah, you need surgery, dude. Get in here quick. Um, Because of the way the CBA is written, the team has the final say on what surgeries are actually allowed and what medical care is allowed. Mm. Um, And so Jack Eichel... What four months after his injury? Yeah, he, 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 four months after the injury, and they asked him to do the passive re- rest and rehabilitation route. Yeah, but so he still yeah, hasn't they went surgery. twelve weeks, twelve times. Yeah, and he's he went, still he's still a member of the Buffalo Sabers because let's face it, the trade rumors for him, excluding Boston. Started in what his second season, maybe his third. I, I want to say it was like the second. He he didn't he didn't seem happy from the start. I, I mean, obviously he was happy on draft night, but yeah, I think the second toward the end of the second season, when they were still floundering, I think that's when 
the trading Eichel sort of rumor mill sort of and, started and again, fooled up. Yeah. That's ignoring the whole trade him to his hometown because everyone wants to play there. Uh, nonsense, which I firmly believe is nonsense in at least half the cases. But yeah, I mean, Jack Eichel was drafted in 2015, so he's six years into his career. Um, he's had solid seasons, particularly when you allow for the fact that the team around him is hot garbage. Um, but here's so he's still there, even though he doesn't want to be there. I don't think the team. Well, I think that the I think that the front office knows he doesn't want to be there, but having been on the really wrong st- side of the Ryan O'Reilly trade feels that he has to actually yeah. win this trade twice. Did Kevin Adams make the O'Reilly trade? I thought that happened under uh, Botterill. I thought that was uh, – I. Th- you could be right. That might have been Botterill, but it's hard to keep track. Um, <laughs> and it's, it's probably not him behaving in a vacuum because – uh, even if he, even if it was under, even if it was under the previous management, ownership might have decided that he needs to win this trade twice. Uh, and it does. Well, you know, he lost. He lost the Taylor Hall trade. Uh, I don't know that honest. he actually. I don't know that he actually lost the trailer Taylor Hall trade. Really. I mean, don't get me wrong. We both like Anders Bjork, but I don't know that Anders Bjork is going to be a twenty consistent twenty goal scorer in the NHL. Is, is Anders a- Bjork going to put up equal numbers to what to what Taylor Hall was actually producing? Well, at the time, Taylor Hall had what two three goals? goals? He had three, three goals, goals when he came to Boston on the season. Right. Can Anders Bjork score more than three? Sure. Can Anders Bjork get more than 22 points? I believe he's capable, absolutely. Is he going to be a consistent 20-goal scorer? You aren't, you're also not going to be paying Anders Bjork what you were paying Taylor Hall. At, and you're right. Uh, 37 games, Taylor Hall had two goals, 17 assists, and was a minus 21 in Buffalo. Um, Anders Bjork uh, in 15 games in in Buffalo was three three and six. He had more goals than there you go. Yeah, I mean right. so more goals than Taylor Hall is a, this is something you put on your Instagram? <laughs> maybe even tag him in it just so everyone knows for sure who you're talking about. Uh, yeah, I just I don't see and I mean you look at this roster for one thing and. And they did I get a second round they, pick out of that. Yeah. I can see why they want to hang on to Eichel. There's nothing else here. And uh, Well, especially after they made their uh, the other trade this, uh, this offseason. I, I don't. And they still have Jeff Skinner, but uh, they traded Reinhardt. Reinhardt went to Florida, Florida I believe. Reinhardt went to Florida. Ristolainen went to Philadelphia, went to the Flyers. 
But don't worry, they have Colin Miller. Hey, Colin Miller is all you need. <laughs> um, Sam Reinhardt, honestly, I think the Bruins, once they figured out Krejci wasn't coming back, should have gone hard for him. Yes. Because uh, him in the 2C spot or the 3C spot, uh, perfect. Uh, yeah. I mean, this is the number two, dra- two overall draft pick. But, um, so, so over the I Friday think- night, uh, the two Peters, who happened to be Jack Eichel's agents, Fish and Donatelli. Blasting Kevin Adams for everything. Yeah. No surgery. The trade uh, still not having happened. Um, I don't think they got quite as far as blaming him for uh, the start of World War One or uh, the or the Kennedy assassination. But uh, it was it was graphic. Uh, some members of the media are bla- are saying that Jack Eichel needs to control his agents and they're not doing him any favors. Uh, they, some are, uh, Possibly. I've seen some, I've seen some comments and, and that are saying he needs to fire them, but okay. This is possible, but this is Buffalo Sabres management to a T. They have been screwing up player relationships for years. Years. Wait a Management or ownership? I, I, I think in this case, uh, it's probably safer to use the term leadership and cover them both. <laughs> or because, lack thereof. Because the front office can't do it in a vacuum if ownership is paying attention. And if ownership is paying attention, they either are... A, in on it, or B, um, actively instigating it. Yeah. I just, I, I just think that it, it, you've got Kevin Adams, who's probably spouting off. I mean, he's, he's using the CBA to back his argument, and I'm sure that's at the behest of the team's, the, the organization's legal minds uh but the, there's no uh, the, the issue here is that the leadership as you call it they're not looking at the human aspect of this they're just looking at we have a 10 million dollar property we want to protect it we're not letting anybody do anything to it surgery what no can't cut him open even if it is to his benefit None of it makes sense to me. It's the long-term consequences that are – that they're ignoring because if you're you're a player, particularly a player who's had a serious injury, we know Buffalo has cap space. Right now, they still have $28 million – in cap space. Even assuming they were going to make the playoffs this year or next year with the roster as currently constructed. Do you want to go there knowing that uh, the team is iffy 
on medical treatment. And Iffy might be uh, overstating their positive contribution. And that their leadership talks about you like your car parts inventory. Yeah. Do you want to go there? Uh, I wouldn't want to go there. And I'd be surprised that I'd be surprised if there are a lot of players who desire. I mean, Owen Power drafted first overall by Buffalo. And he he had already said, knowing how bad Buffalo was, he had already said back during the NHL season that he was going to go. He was going back to school. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, number one pick usually gets part of that is Buffalo. Part of that is I think he actually knows he has a a shot at a national championship. Yeah, no, I'm not saying it's all because of the organization, but it just it's in the equation. If he was drafted, if somehow a borderline playoff team drafted number one. Would the decision to go back to school be a little bit more difficult, knowing that, you know, you could be in the playoffs your first season? Yeah, it has to be harder. I mean, if you're say you were drafted by the Florida Panthers. OK, yeah, that's a good that, that, uh, that's actually a good uh, good analogy. Yeah, Florida Panthers made it into the playoffs, got bounced in the first round. Admittedly, this was without their number one defenseman. Yeah, that was kind of ugly break for Aaron Eckblad. The decision to to go back to school there a lot harder. Absolutely. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say that, and and that, uh, then that's my argument. Is that I mean. Yes, go back for that national championship, especially since Matty Benyers is coming back and Kent Johnson's coming back. They got Luke Hughes. They got Matt Mackie Samuskevich. You got five players in the in the first round. So, yeah, I can see where his argument is. I want to go back to win the national championship. But the allure of going to play for Buffalo isn't pulling him away from that decision. I think that and that's the problem with Buffalo's outward appearance right now with this Eichel thing and Kevin Adams is using the CBA as a cloak of protection. Yeah. Um, but it's, okay. Not as they look Vegas is the team to draft you this year. High <laughs> the draft. Are you going back to college? No, probably not. Cause I mean, three, uh, how deep into the playoffs have they gone in their four years of existence? <laughs> I mean, I'm not even sure if Chicago drafted me this year. I would go back to college, not knowing that you've got Evander Kane on the ice. You've got Seth Jones on the ice. It's looking more like you're going to have Jonathan Taze on the ice. You've got Kirby Doc, who's going to be back next year. Um, I'm not sure it would be an easy decision to skip out on Chicago. They're, they they're they're a borderline playoff team. You bring in one of the best young defensemen, if not the best young defenseman in the NHL. Um, it's and the one thing you brought up. You brought up a point that I think is going to be the breaking point and the major point of contention 
even ahead of Olympic participation uh, in the next CBA, which admittedly is good for another few years. Medical control. Right now, the teams have control over whether a player can get a specific treatment or not. And that's uh, and it says that in this article on The Athletic. That's where I, I, I didn't realize they had that control until I read this article. And I just don't know. Me personally, having watched the St. Louis Blues uh, at mess up Tarasenko's shoulder surgery twice. Where he had to go back for a third one to get the first two, the issues, the original issue and the issues created by the following two, or the first two. He had to go get that third one to fix everything else. Uh, yes. Um, they had to get that addressed. If I'm the... Buffalo Sabre, if I'm a Buffalo Sabres player, and we've seen other teams mess up, we've seen other teams mess up by the numbers. Mm -hmm. I want to say that the Bruins even had to turn over their medical staff a couple of years ago, well, seven or eight years ago. Um, Me personally, I would not give control of my medical care to anyone. (laughs) It would be a really... I'm sorry. I just I think that this right now is going to be the biggest issue in in a few years. In the next in the next CBA talk, sure, I can see that. I mean, the, the the I mean the whole whether they play in the whether they play in the Olympics, yeah, that's going to be a discussion. But this is far more important, I think, as to who has control over the medical care of these players. And while I doubt the league is going to let it go completely to the player's discretion or even the CBA or even to like the, the, the players association's discretion. I think that's the minimum the players should accept. Um, it will probably knowing what, having watched this league forever, I think that they're going to try and get a, some sort of third party review board, you know, a couple of representatives of uh, med- uh, from like medical major medical schools, maybe one and two insurance people, and uh, a couple of athletes, and and or one or two members of the board of governors who sit on this board. Um, but I, I I'm just I'm I'm kind of shocked that the players haven't taken control of this one yet. Yeah, I, I, I maybe it's just that it's such a young league. And quite frankly, I don't think anyone between 18 and 28, 30 who hasn't already had major serious injuries, which might just preclude them from hitting the highest level of their sport, um, spends that much time thinking about their medical care. But with the Players Association and the stars in the league getting younger and younger, because let's face it, in 99, most of the players who we were, who everyone talked about all the time were 28 to 32. And now it's 19 to 25, 26. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, 
I guess I have to just stick with the statement that I would not give control of my medical <laughs> situation to the organization. I, I, Couldn't I do can't it. do it. Can't do it. Um, Should he be traded? Any place in particular you think he could go? I mean, yes, I'd love to have him in Boston. Second financially line. It doesn't work. It's not going to work, and it's not going to work financially. You can't get rid of enough players and that are Rangers, actually desirable. I mean, the, the Rangers, Rangers have been to throw a huge number, a huge number of prospects and players, and uh, into the ring for his services. Uh, if you look at some of the articles floating out there, uh, apparently Capo Caco is key to him. Uh, is a key to the Rangers winning the Jack Eichel sweepstakes. Really? This is according to our good buddy, Larry Brooks. Oh, Larry, we love you. <laughs> um, Sometimes. I. This also includes uh, the Rangers then being in a position to extend Mika Zibinijad, uh to around uh, to around nine million a year, which. I love Mika Zibanejad. I don't know that I necessarily want to give him a salary of nine million a year. My Buffalo gave Jeff Skinner nine million a year. Jeff Kevin Skinner Adams. is Jeff Skinner is more consistent than Mika Zibanejad. Really? When both Have, did are you see him last best, season? When both are playing at their best, Mika Zibanejad is a better player. Yes, but he's. Of the two of them, if I have to guess which one of them is going to have a 14-game scoreless uh, streak next season, even knowing which one of them is playing in Buffalo, I'm still pointing at Mika Zibanejad. Mm, I don't know. Jeff Skinner is falling off the face of the earth. He's in Buffalo. (laughs) Yes, but he had 40 goals in Buffalo two seasons ago, three seasons ago. Two seasons ago, three seasons ago, Buffalo was a better team. They had a but viable went, goaltender. But he went from 40 to 14. It's not like it's not like it was. It's not like he went from 40 to 30 or 40 to 28. He went from 40 to 14, and then in almost the same number of games, he went from 14 to seven. Yes, Buffalo's a bad team. But that's not a good trend from in, in my eyes. Uh, sorry. Uh, I'd still take I mean, I wouldn't give either one of them $9 million a year, but I'd still take Zibanejad over Jeff Skinner at this point. I would cheerfully give... Zabinajad a contract that got him to nine million a year with performance bonuses. Okay. But at a nine million a year salary, no. Um what do you, I, what would you and, what, and again, I mean, seven? I could happily give him a seven million dollar salary with easy to achieve, well, easy for him to achieve. <laughs> You know, he hits 35 goals, he gets another million. Wow. Like, 
I, I love, I think Mika Zibanejad is a great player. Occasionally. He's a good player frequently. And he's a terrible player for stretches. Fair enough. Uh, but, I mean, you can say the same thing about a, a, a number of players in the league. Just to, just, I want to, I, I want to put one more, I want to put a bow on this, on, on this, uh, Buffalo thing and just say that if Kevin Adams is really concerned and, and really, you know, the, the team and the team, the team and, and, you know, Eichel has got to stick around and well, okay. You've cleared out the goaltending and your number one goaltender is 40 years old. And I feel bad for Craig Anderson again. And your backup is the backup, former backup from San Jose, Aaron Dell, who has had some goodish seasons and a couple of not so goodish. But you're relying on Craig Anderson, who arguably best bad best bad team goaltender in the NHL. Is that what we call him? Yeah. And certainly in the last two decades. And he's going to get abused in Buffalo. So are we looking at like a – I'm going to have to look up what I – and make a a projection on what I see for the average number of shots he's going to see per night. It's not going to be pretty. It's either that or they are going to – Make a move. Either Dustin – well, if you're going to bring up Tokarski who – played the end of last season for you and i mean he did an oh. admirable job he had a 3.54 goals against which obviously is a high and it's a team number he had a 904 save percentage and which in buffalo right now isn't completely <laughs> terrible or they're gonna have your friend and mine you love to say his name come on uko pekalukinen <laughs> that that could be it now, see, we have seen Eichel linked to Columbus. Yeah, that's just as bad. No. If Columbus, if is, that's if that's the trade, I would, I suspect that either your boy Elvis Merzlikens or Eunus Orpasalo would be part of the return. I would think it would have. Yeah, it would have to be. You've got to you've got to do something about the goaltending in Buffalo, and to be honest, Eichel going to Columbus, they were in sell mode. All they were in sell mode in the offseason. They, they, but they, were they really? Yeah, I mean, Felina, they picked up Jacob Voracek. Gone. Okay, you I bring think they in were Horacek. turnover mode. I think they were change the one of those change the culture modes. They, they traded a, a longtime Blue Jacket and Cam Atkinson for a guy who played there like half a de- or almost yeah. a decade ago. Uh, but Patrick Line uh, is still there. Um, OK, they, you know my feelings on Line. <laughs> Mr. Inconsistent. Yes. Um, even more so than uh, e- even more <laughs> so than Philip Forsberg or Mika Zibanejad or. A lot of I, players you could name. I love Philip Forsberg, but we're not going there. <laughs> uh, Max Domi is someone who was not there at the start of last season. Mm, still waiting for him to 
break out, but okay. Uh, you know, as much as I really want to love him as a player, and I think that there are pretty good reasons to really like him as a player, you could call mm-hmm. his eighteen nineteen season a breakout. I mean, 82 games, 28 goals, 44 points for okay. a rather squishy Montreal team um, that didn't make the playoffs uh, when his previous career high for the NHL was 18 goals. Okay, so in 70-71 game, in, in, in 82, he played in all 82 games, did that a couple of seasons in a row. Uh and, and big leaps, too, because he went 18 down to 9, 9, up to 28, 17 and 71 games is. I think he can stay above a 65 point season. Uh, he, uh, needs to be with a, he needs to be with a better team than Columbus, though. He needs to be with people who can skate. Well, um, yeah. I think that's really, really it. And there were people who could skate and who were healthy that year. I don't know. I guess I, I still don't think Columbus is going, not this season anyway. I don't, oh, think, I don't they, think they're a playoff team this year. I, I just don't. Uh, but They have way better goaltending than Buffalo. <laughs> Sorry. There are AHL teams with way better goaltending than Buffalo. <laughs> There may actually be a couple of ECAC teams with better goaltending than Buffalo. And again, love Craig Anderson, but yes, you and I both like him. Yeah. If you're starting the season with a 40 year old as your, as your likely number one. Um, no, (laughs) just stop. Admit you're tanking and trade for trade as much as possible. They were, they've been in tank mode since they signed Carter Hutton to be the number one. <laughs> wow. And that was, what, three, four years ago? Yeah. Um, they just won't, ad- they won't admit it. Like, uh, so we talked about, over the years, we've talked about Alex Ovechkin's forever contract that he signed yeah. way back coming off of his uh, entry-level deal. Yeah. Way back. And he did it without an agent. He did it. He negotiated directly with ownership. And let's see, he's now 35 years old, and there were how many predictions? How many hundred predictions? He wouldn't play this long because of his physical bruising style. Yeah, yeah, he was. He's a he's a big man. He's more physical than people give him credit for. I mean, he's not he's not a fighter. He's not he, he's, he's not going out fighter. there just well, unless it's unless the opponent is Svechnikov and then he gets dropped with one. Okay, yeah, it was still I mean, it was Svechnikov still funny is... watching Svech just crumble. And I'm not saying I wanted him to be hurt. It's just Obi just boom. And 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 Smetchnikov just dropped. It was like, wow, okay. But Ovi is a physical presence. He does hit. It might not seem like it because most people see how many goals he scores, but he is a physical presence. He's a big boy. And the 236 that they have consistently listed him at for his career has 
often been reasonably accurate and for a couple of years was really low because I think there were a couple of years he was over 250 and an unfortunate percentage for a professional athlete was not lean muscle mass. Mm-hmm. But here he is at starting next season at 36 years old. Mm. He's going to make more money. Oh, yeah. Okay. As a 36 year old than as a 26 year old. Yes. And that was something that two of us have had in our off season uh, topic tank for as long as we've been doing the show. Pretty close. About four years. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we asked if it was going to happen and it's actually it has, happened. It has happened. He's uh, making more now than he did 10 years than he did as a, as a, as a 26 year old going into his prime. Something uh, no one could have predicted given where the salary cap was when he signed his deal. That's true. Because we didn't expect it to go this high. It was what? 50 something, six, maybe 60 million coming out of uh, the full season lost in 2006. Yeah, it was nowhere near where it is now. Yeah, I, I understand that the cap goes up every year because you got a little bit more in ticket prices and this, that and, and Jersey money and sweater money, excuse me. And, and TV deals and yeah. And I don't know what the ESPN deal is and I don't know how that's going to affect the cap going up from this year. But yeah, nine and a half million dollars. And to me, that's they gave him a five year extension at 35 years old. He signed through twenty five, twenty six for the night, and they didn't give him. They really didn't give him a raise. They actually they gave him a couple of hundred thousand. It was a cost of. It wasn't even a cost of living raise because that would be two or three percent in most cases, four or five percent. I mean, the um, base salary. The base salary number is low. If you look at the new contract that starts this year. Now. Uh, in some years, yes. I mean, one year he's got twelve and a half million or something like that in bonuses. That's yeah. He's got uh, he's got he basically his base salary for the next three years is one million dollars. But the whole bonuses thing this season four million bonuses next season nine million bonuses in twenty three twenty four eleven and a half million, and then it starts heading downward again. <clears throat> Excuse me. To six million and four million, but his his base salary compared to the last contract when all of his money was in the salary. Yeah, no bonuses, nothing to confuse, nothing confusing. This is, I mean, he's and the thing we talk about the reason why they signed him and could anybody ever catch Gretzky. He only needs to average, and and I can't take credit for the math. I did see it on the NHL Network. But he only needs to average 33 goals a season to do it. Yeah, we actually did do the math about a year and a half ago. I was going to say, it was a while ago. Like 600 or whatever the last milestone was. Was it when he was pass. He's going to pass three or four guys on on the list for goal scoring this year. He's going to make that climb. He's at 730 goals now. Yeah. Um, The record is what? Eight and change. The record is Gretzky's at 894. 
Yes. I think I think he's going to do it. Like I wasn't confident before, but even though most of his team looked terrible last year, yes they made the playoffs, yes they led the division for a decent amount of time, but you hit the trade deadline last year mm-hmm. and everything from there towards the end of their season meh. They didn't look good. Washington uh, did look good. He's 165 away, uh, 164 away, excuse me. Um, average of 33 per season. And he said, that's why I want to play five more years to have a chance to catch the great one. Why not? If I'm going to be second, you know, it's a pretty good number as well. I mean, he wants to do it, but he also realistically, if he doesn't, I mean, he still knows that he's, I mean, yeah, who's going to remember second place? And, and they always ask that, you know, who, you know, who remembers the loser of the Super Bowl or who remembers the loser of the Stanley Cup? See, well, I think, I realistically, think. I think, go ahead, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, realistically, I think that, yes, he's going to – I think he can average 33 a season. For him, that's a reasonable number. And most likely he's going to cross 40 in the next <coughs> season. Each, Excuse me. Which drops the number needed for those last three seasons where he's more likely to slow down. Um, I mean, I think he's going to probably hit a wall right around 37 thir- – well, 38. Okay. I, and I'm not saying he's falling off a cliff. That's different. But I think you're going to see him go from easily getting 40 or 50 goals to that 35 mark being at the top of his capabilities. So he's going to basically he's going to go all out those first three seasons, score as many possible goals as he can. And then like the honestly, the best thing that could happen to him would be to have a 42-goal season this year, mm-hmm. get ridiculously lucky next year, and actually finally crack 60, and then just coast the rest of the way. <laughs> because if you get 100 goals out in those first two seasons, yes, he can, can, he can yeah. score 20 goals a season for the rest of his contract. Just set him up on the power play for Christ's sake, yeah. Literally set him up on the power play and put him on the ice at center ice every time there's an empty net. <laughs> um, but they say who remembers second place? Yeah. I think I said this in the past. I'll say it again now. Based on the quality of goaltending in the NHL, based on the quality of defense in the NHL, from 2005 to now, and from 2004 backwards, I do not believe that there is any question that if whether Alex, Alex Ovechkin scores another goal in the league or not, he is the best pure goal scorer ever to play in the NHL. No argument. Period. No argument. I just, I, yeah. <sighs> And because uh, not all of his goals come from that face. Yes. Does he set up in does he set up in that face off dot like Pasternak does? Did Pasternak learn that from Ovechkin? Uh, yeah, that's a lot of his goals come from that area. But he's scored on breakaways. He scored. He's, he's scored not on, Phil Kessel. 
He scores mm. from a variety of places. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> Bill Kessel. <laughs> My issue is, okay, I'm fine with the contract. My issue, and he's playing with Backstrom still, and does this team, is the team around him good enough? Today, no. Right. Backstrom is clearly not the player he was 10 years ago. He's still playing out that same contract at 9.2. Backstrom's not the player he was their cup year. That was only like three years ago. Uh, yes. Um, even uh, I'll go, I'll say, I'll even say it that, uh, that Carlson isn't the player he was their cup year. And that's a problem because he's your workhorse. And we both love John Carlson. John Carlson is one of those type of players that literally everyone who wants to play that position should emulate, should understand how he plays the game physically and want to talk to him and listen to his interviews. Or if he, if he runs, uh, if he works or runs a hockey camp, should want to attend and listen to the way he discusses the game and understands what's going on around him. Um, John Carlson is not the biggest, the fastest goal uh, defenseman ever to play the league. No, but he is, he gets it. He just plain gets it. I agree. Just, yeah, looking at the roster, not so much. I still want to know. Uh, I'm imagining that the whole getting Vitek Vanacek back was uh, something that was pre. I, I think that was something pre-worked out. I don't think that was like, hey, we got to get him back now. I think that was. I don't know. I think the Washington front office falls in love with goaltenders. Phoenix Copley has left the organization like three times via waivers and trades and stuff like that. And he's, he still finds his way back there. And he's actually making more than Vanacek. And by the way, Samsonov is still not signed. So they have their own goaltending issues in that. I just I, I worry that as much as I think Ovi can do it, in the back of my mind, I worry that the players around him, and there are some good ones, don't get me wrong, but I worry that they're not good enough. Yeah, I mean, there are some players who are going to get, I think when you get to the final year, final two years of this contract, and he's getting close to it, I think you're going to start seeing some opposing teams who don't want him to get to get there. Mm-hmm. And some of them might start taking cheap shots or simply trying to shut him down entirely, you know, put two bodies on him stack guys in front of the net every time he's on the ice. Um, and I don't know how that's going to impact things. Um, I don't think anyone does, but it's going to be, it's going to be fascinating to watch. And I think that the NHL really, 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 really needs to market the ever loving hell out of, uh, out of this race, uh, race to the top. Oh, they got, they've got the, You've got the backing of 
whether you like them or not, you've got the backing of the largest sports network, at least in North America. But yeah, on the planet, everybody knows ESPN. Like them, don't like them, you know, call them four letter network, whatever, you know, and they've got Tia and and I think TSN is tied into them in Canada. You know, they're all over the place. This is your opportunity to utilize the network that you have and market the hell out of players such as Ovechkin, market the hell out of young players such as Pasternak, Eichel, the new kids that are coming in. Makar. Makar, yeah, would definitely be one that I would be pushing, you know, whether you put Connor McDavid, obviously, yeah. Seth Jones, I mean, yes, you need to be marketing. the. You want to get your league, if Bettman wants to get his league more attention and more eyes on, I don't know how else to put it. Move them closer to revenue of the other three of the big four. Well, yeah. Now is the time. Seven-year deal. Isn't it a seven-year deal with ESPN, though? Yeah. This is this is your this is the chance you were looking for, Gary. Like I said, well, like them or don't like them, the, their reach and their their networking possibilities are huge. So, uh, okay, so revenue overall, um, these figures are something I looked up quick. Okay. Eight point eight million, eight point eight billion a year for the NBA. Who are just who are a little bit ahead of the NHL at 5.1. No one's catching the NFL at 16.9. We all understand that. Yeah. But yeah. closing a 3.7 million dollar gap uh, in seven years. If these if these two organizations, ESPN and the NHL, work together, I think they can do it. I I think they can too, and the, and then doesn't the deal involve other network? Doesn't Turner have some regional contract with the NHL too? I mean, the, the region most most of the most or all of the regional network broadcasting is still the same, uh, as far as okay. I know. You know, Nesson is still going to broadcast the Bruins oh, yeah, Northeast, no. and what is it? Uh, well, the, uh, the, the Fox, whatever does the New West. York's Garden. New York MSG. has the Madison Square Garden Network, yeah, MSG Network, or whatever it's called. The Yes, ne- no, Yes, Yes is the Yankees Network. Sorry, yeah, and Madison Square Garden Network, I think, is what it is what they play on in New York. But being able to see more national games, more out of region games, oh, I love this as a hockey fan. And and you tied into ESPN, and if you're tied into ESPN Plus, you can go back and watch replays. You can pick up games from all around the country. You know, if you got 14 games at the seven o'clock time slot for Eastern Eastern time zone. Yeah. Yeah. You, know, you go back and replay something that you missed the night. But I mean, yeah, the opportunities for the, are just, yeah, this is, this is Gary Bettman's chance to put his big, big boy pants on and, and grow this network, grow this, grow the NHL. Absolutely. Uh, where else uh, do we need to hit? Um, oh, <sighs> There's a lot of stuff. There's, there's a. I shouldn't say a lot. There's a few things still up here, but. Uh, which did you oh, but, want to hit next? What you want to talk about opening night? 
yes. You, Why don't we grab we that moved, story? We've moved this one a couple of times, so. It's not particularly time relevant, but I think it's hilarious anyways. Um, and I apparently need to go find that link, so. <laughs> So okay, so we can fix that one and move it for another. And uh, why don't we just one, hit the Bruins while we're while we're talking? Well, I I mean, if, if we can close with that one, okay, because I really want to talk about what the national government, what the Congress has done. But um, and this, I I don't know how deep we can delve into. Krejci's gone. Which and didn't I, I, surprise me as much as I wanted it to. I don't know if I I don't know I I I am sad about it and I and I'll be the first to admit I've called him Houdini and I've called him Houdini for a few years now. The a disappear decade, a decade. Go ahead. <laughs> the disappearing acts just notwithstanding, but it, you can't argue again. It's something you can't argue with the numbers, and he's in. Top ten, he's uh, his playoff points, seven hundred ninety-two playoff points. Uh, he's just all over the map. Uh, his number, and I don't think it's going to happen this year. I think in two years they'll do it. Forty-six is going to be hanging from the rafters. Yeah, I don't think uh, they they'll ever gonna... make it into the NHL Hall of Fame or World or the Hockey Hall of Fame. But as far as the Bruins go, yeah, he's an all-time Bruin. They are going to miss this guy, and a number two, and as a number two center, he leaves a huge hole for the Bruins to fill, and it's not full. Like <sighs> there's no, there's no one on the roster, there's no one in the system. No, <clears throat> the the arguments that have gone back and forth as far as oh, you know, you could move Charlie Coyle up there, you. No, you should play Felino in the center position and leave Coyle on the wing. And I'm like, uh, no. Oh, wait, Studnika. Mm, no. Wait, they're going to move. I read somewhere they're going to move Trent Frederick up to the second line to be the second line center. Trent Frederick. I think Trent is a is absolutely great at what he does. He's not ready for a second line. He's not He's, ready for playing 20 minutes a night. And keeping pace with Taylor Hall and Craig Smith. <laughs> Supposedly, and this goes back to a couple of uh, Mark Diver, uh, Mark Diver tweets, uh, tweets from mm-hmm. early in the summer. Studnika has been hitting the gym pretty hard and put on 10 pounds of solid muscle uh, this season, which he kind of desperately needed. I still don't know if that qualifies him to be a number two center. I don't think he. I don't think he's ready to be a number two. I, I don't think he's he's up uh, up for it yet. I mean, the biggest argument right now for what they're going to do is obviously Eichel is beyond their reach, in my opinion, financially. Uh, the only other person they're going after is Christian Dvorak, who I happen to like, Christian Dvorak in Arizona. Yes, I could live if with Christian can, Dvorak. I was going to say, if you can pluck him away, and he's got he's got history, or he's got some camaraderie with Taylor Hall as well when Hall was there for his one year. 
I don't know if they were on the same line. I think they sporadically were on the same line. I don't think they always played together. Maybe they did. And Dvorak is has got a reasonable salary with term left on it. He's at four and a half or under four and a half. So the Bruins would can, still need to move someone out, probably uh, to someone's. Well, is Jakey still going? Is Jakey still going bye byes? If Jake, if it's going to cost you Jake DeBrusque and a second to pick up Christian Dvorak and plug that hole, you should not be crying about that. I, I think that Jake just had a one ugly season for yeah. mostly off ice and non non Jake DeBrusque inspired reasons. Is like he, I don't think. Go ahead. No, I was just going. Is he? Somebody that you would keep, or are you are you in the camp that he has to go? I'm not in the camp that he has to go. I'm in the camp that if you need to make a trade, he He's, can be moved for value. If you're just trading him for future considerations or a sixth round pick in twenty nine in twenty ninety two, no. But Christian Dvorak for Jake DeBrusque in a second-round pick all day. You need that hole filled. Uh, Money-wise, it works out because there's only about a half a million dollar difference uh, between DeBrusque's salary and and Dvorak's. Uh, Dvorak's is very slightly higher. I, I do. I like Christian Dvorak. I, I think that bringing him in as a second line center, I think that Craig Smith and I, I think that Craig Smith and Hall can keep up with him. I don't think that Dvorak is the fastest or fleetest of foot as far as young skaters go. No, no, but you don't really have to be. And Christian Dvorak, I think we can both safely say, even without a huge number of games seen, is faster than David Krejci. um okay i'll go there safe to say i I, i'm reasonably certain it's safe to make that statement he's faster than david Krejci. i mean i could say the same thing for quite a few okay yeah there you go yeah yeah who hasn't played a game in seven or eight years at this point (laughs) I just think that they, they it, there's there's got to be another move made here. They can't rely on what's in the system at the moment and say that they are a Stanley Cup contender. They are going to miss Krejci's production. They're going to miss his leadership in the locker room. Uh, from what I heard on Nesson, they were talking about, uh, I forget who it was, Billy Jaffe, I think. And apparently in the locker room, he is a lot more vocal and I'm not not in a loud way not in yeah, a you know, yelling hyping but apparently he is just he is a lot more vocal in the locker room than what we see on the ice and what he's doing on the bench and it, but yeah he's he is one of the leaders of the team he wears an A for a reason and or he's worn an A for a reason so they're gonna miss him if the if if Arizona wants picks instead of uh, instead of or, or wants players instead of picks, which I can't necessarily blame them for, given that the Bruins, in theory, should be drafting somewhere twenty or a higher number um, the next year or two. Mm-hmm. 
is there anybody in the prospect pool you're not willing to give up? Dan Vladar. Oh, wait, he's already gone. You're right. Dan Vladar was traded. Uh, I believe yeah, it was the first day of free agency. Don't get me started on that one. I'm still not happy with that move either. I mean, based only on I don't know if there's on anybody. what's happened since he was drafted, and not counting Jeremy Swayman, um, I think Mason Lori might actually be the only guy in the system you're not willing to part with. <laughs> imagine, imagine us saying this. Think back to last year's draft. I, Second I, and round. I still, I still say draft, the, the pick was a reach. They draft some kid named Mason Lowry, and you and I went, uh, what? Who? Who? Oh, but, wait. At the end of the year, he this he, this season, at the end of the season, he's voted, or he, he he's best defenseman in the USHL. Uh... Okay, still haven't heard of this guy. Seen a couple of video clips of him, and now we're sitting here talking about how he's the only guy that we wouldn't get rid of. <laughs> it's an interesting progression if you stop and think about it. <laughs> how do we get from don't know who he is to he's the only guy I wouldn't get rid of in a year, two years, year? Anyway. It's a year. He was drafted in 2020. <sighs> I mean, you've got... John Beecher, maybe. Still at Michigan? Still at Michigan, still only 20 years old. Okay. Um, He was drafted 30th overall uh, his year. Um, Maybe. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, you you can literally throw in the rights of everyone who's not actually ever coming back to play for the Bruins. I mean... You want I, I, you want the rights to JFK? Okay. You want the rights to Kokolchev? Okay. Um, who was the other one? But yeah, if, if they if Arizona actually wants to pursue those two, rock on. For that matter, I, anyone else who wants to trade for them. Please, yeah, please. I mean, there's there's nobody on there's nobody on the Providence Bruins that I would really sit there and go, no. And that for me, I like watching the youngsters play, but you've got to do something about filling that Krejci hole. And what they have currently on the active roster is not it. You are missing a key component in that second line center hole spot. Until Sweeney fixes that, they're not looking. And they did a lot in free agency. They more than I've seen Sweeney do in the past. I mean, did when they, you go get Howla, Eric Howla, and Tom like. and Thomas Nosek, who was actually key in Vegas's Stanley Cup run in their inaugural season, uh, and he's a solid two-way player. I like Eric Howla. Uh, I think his centering uh, abilities okay. have gone down a little bit. My, but least, my least favorite of their pickups is yeah. probably Derek Fobert. Derek Fobert? 
from L.A.? Well, he's actually moved on. He was where, Winnipeg or somewhere else? Yeah. But he started out in L.A. But overall, I don't think they made a bad projected for the NHL roster signing. No. Do I think that the team is incomparably better than it was? No. Um, When you don't have a second-line center and you're still iffy on who's going to be your third-line center – because let's face it, the third year, third line last year was broken. Yes. I mean, for just for giggles, if we organize the lines right now and you put together the the uh, Raptors line, uh, Bergeron between Marchand and Pasternak, and you've got Craig Smith and Taylor Hall, who need a center. Assume for the moment that we're going to slide uh, Coyle up between them as the best alternative. um, Or the best in-system fix. That gives you a third line of, let's see, Jake DeBrusque. When he's on, he's on. Um, maybe Nick Foligno at center. And Eric Halla. If it works, that's not a terrible line. No. And for fourth line, you're probably going to end up with some combination of Lazar, Frederick, Wagner, and Nosek. Uh, with Bleed and Carlson being taxi squad or the ninth level uh, guardians. I'm going to say, I don't think the taxi squad applies anymore, but okay, fair enough. (laughs) Still riding the uh, highway back and forth between Providence and Boston. Okay, Um, fair enough. Yeah, I can see that. But that still makes me worry about the second line. That's, yeah, I I can't get past the And the third line is still... Squishy. Squishy. I'm, I am amazed. I've seen some mock-ups where they have Frederick centering the fourth line and Lazar on the wing. And to be quite honest, I think Lazar is a better center. Oh, I, I think Lazar is a better center. And I think I think part of the reason that Corelli moved on is because he's a better center than he is a winger. And they yes, kept I agree. Wing. I don't, yeah, I didn't understand that because he is a better from what we've seen over the past couple, three years that he's been here, he's definitely a better center than a winger. In my opinion. Um, but I, I don't know that. I mean, maybe it's maybe they're planning to make a big move at the tra- at the deadline or just ahead of the deadline and pick up their number two center for the power for the uh, for powering into the playoffs and injecting that energy for the, but, but for the why, playoffs. But but why pay more at the deadline if you can get him now and develop that chemistry with his team, with his line mates? Whoever um, the, I think part maybe. of it is cap hit. I mean, but I don't, I don't like it. I would rather start the year with that number two C. Yes. Whoever it is. Agreed. Um, and if the blues are cleaning house, or Nashville's cleaning house. 
and just deciding to turn over their roster. Who are you going to take from Nashville? It would take a lot of of money being retained, but Ryan Johansson as your number two center behind Patrice Bergeron is a pretty ugly combination to have to go up against. Okay. Because he's never been a fit in Nashville, and I don't, I just can't consider his time there as a hundred percent indicative of who he is as a player today. Did he get not his... been seriously injured? I think it's just the city or the roster, whichever. Did he get his money before getting to Nashville, or did he get? Because he's on a, he's got a big, he's got one of them. He signed contracts. the current contract in seventeen eighteen, so that was before he got there. Okay. So he didn't. He's not just playing out the string for the cash. I mean, no, he's not Paul Sasny. <laughs> Ouch! It's not Matt Deshane. There you go. I mean, he's yeah. His production has not been. But aside fabulous. from Forsberg, who's really been a useful forward on that team in the past three or four years? Uh, okay, now you're getting squishy with useful because. Different definition, Colton Sissons has been useful. Okay, who scored more than 25 goals consistently? Ah, yeah. Nobody. Nobody. I mean, Luke Cunnan maybe is good, but he hasn't been there that long. No. Uh, But he's still never scored 25. In fact, he has a career total of 33 in 169 games. Wow. Um, I, if, if they're willing to keep, if they're willing to keep 3 million of it, which probably they're not, and you could, you could steal him for five year for 5 million a year for the next couple of years. He's only 29. He just yeah. turned 29 to yesterday. Yes. I, as I said, I firmly believe it's the city. Or at least the team. I mean, Dvorak's 25. Don't get me wrong. but Oh, Dvorak, I think long term is a better, especially considering Bergeron has one more year on his contract. Mm-hmm. I think Bergeron is going to continue to play in Boston for a couple more years. Um, but I sign one year extensions. Uh, I think the next contract will be two years. And after that, I think it'll be one year. My hunch, based on how well he's played the, la- the next two or three years, I think he can continue to play, and I think he believes he can continue to play at the level he expects of himself for another two or three years. Okay. Because I don't think he's going to be one of those players who was a mascot uh, in the last five years of his career and because he wanted to hit some magical number. And there's a conversation for another time. Um, when he leaves, who's going to take over the number one center slot? Nobody I in don't, the system. Nobody yeah, the I roster, don't. Period. I don't even want to. That's just a nightmare. I don't want to fathom right now. <laughs> uh, Ryan Johansson, 29 years old. Uh, yeah, if he can play to the level before he was in Nashville. I mean, even his first year in Nashville was 
No, he never. I mean, 15 goals. It, it, The problem is the trend. He only hit thirty. He only hit thirty plus once. He's only gone over twenty the season after that. When everything had, else, is, when has he had a Taylor Hall type player as a line mate, and not been the number one center? Okay, I because remember we're not talking about needing to replace a thirty goal center. We're talking right. about needing to replace a guy who can distribute. I mean, I like his face-off win percentages for career for his career, fifty-three percent. Not, not, not blow your mind numbers, but you're winning more than you're losing. I'll take it. <laughs> okay, I will ask this question. I'll I'm going to put a topic uh, ahead for four or five weeks from now. Mm-hmm. And we're not going to mention it uh, in this show, but it's a topic that I think really, really needs to be discussed uh, before the start of the season. Okay. Um, But since we have time for that, we can do it later. Um, Who do you like most of the Bruins pickups this year, uh, this postseason or offseason? The acquisition, the, the, the free agent signings? Yep. Who do I like best? Um, none of them. Mike Ryan. I'm dead. I mean, I like the, the I like the Felino story, but I I don't really have a favorite. I think I like. The re-signing of Taylor Hall. <laughs> Do we count the re-signing? For me. Uh, the re-signing of Taylor Hall. He's happy to be here. Happy player equals productive player. If we can get him a center that can keep him engaged. And then. either keep up with him or keep ahead of him, whichever you want to, whichever way you want to describe it. And I mean in terms of creating play, not necessarily foot speed. Because I'm still, I'm still occasionally amazed by Taylor Hall's speed. Because he's not young anymore. He's thirty. Thirty. And he's played hard minutes in for basically his entire career. And he's been on some bad teams his entire career. This is, I mean, coming that's... coming to Boston has to be like a. a... You know, the, the, the clouds parted, the sun shone through, you know. <laughs> I mean, he has played almost half of his career playoff games in Boston. 25 total playoff games in his career. 11 of them were this year with Boston. Wow. Yeah. Um. Like I said, happy player goes productive player. Did you like the Omark signing? I thought an I thought an Olmark like signing was event- inevitable. Ah, uh, but that wasn't the question. The question is, did you do you like it? I was not happy with them trading away Dan Vladar. I think that they did that kid wrong. From I think he was probably ticked off, or his agent was ticked off, and that's why um, and that's why he's gone. Um, the thing you know is, what? He's can- in. 
He's in Calgary. Where is Halak? Uh, Vancouver, I think. So they they both gone sort of they west. They went to the huh? other end of the planet. Wow. Literally I, went I, to the other end of the planet to get away from Boston. I like Linus Allmark's numbers, and this is why I, I actually – he's probably my second favorite. Since he started his career at Buffalo, six seasons now. 9-13, Yep, he had a 9-35 in five games. And seven. Once he started actually playing, he he dipped to a 9-05 in 18-19, back up to a 9-15, improved again this past season – when they were horrible to a nine seventeen. Uh so his career average is a nine twelve save percentage. His goals against on the Buffalo Savers is under three at two point seven eight. Which is impressive. Uh he's got fifty wins, forty seven losses, thirteen whatever. Uh, yeah. his ties plus overtime shootout loss. Uh, yeah. He's only played. He's. I mean, yeah, he's six years into his career, but he's only played 117 games, so he's not overly taxed. That that's the thing where I'm. I put, that prevents me from being super enthusiastic about it. He's been a solid two number two, or even three goaltender. But I don't think he's been. He hasn't really been a number one for any reasonable stretch of his career. Because somebody thought Carter Hutton was a better goaltender. Again, we're not impressed by <laughs> leadership in Buffalo and other places. Uh, straight from uh, our friends at Russian Machine Never Breaks, um, Barkley Goudreau's introduction uh, conference with the New York Rangers, um, and Barkley Goudreau, for those who can't remember uh, the player, is a <clears throat> physical presence. Um Yes. In the past, he would have been called a beat cop or an enforcer, but now we only have a physical presence on the roster. Um, he's talking about opening night should be interesting. I'm excited to jump into a rivalry uh, and just get thing get right into the heat of things. And of course, opening night this year will be yes. the New York Rangers. And the Washington Capitals. Okay. So, yes, he's talking about Tom Wilson, who was being Tom Wilson um, and effectively ended the season or arguably ended the season of the New York Rangers single handedly by uh, injuring a couple of players uh, in that final in, in their final matchup of the season. So on the one hand. I I completely get wanting to make yourself popular with a new fan base. I absolutely get trying to engage the media and getting them to talk about the future versus what you've done in the past, because Goudreau is now a two-time Stanley Cup winner yeah. added to that Rangers roster. And when you're a cup winner – you're expected to be able to make other teams cup winners. Not always the case, but okay. Um, he, he can at least provide an example um, and provide some anecdotes and encouragement and advice. On the other hand, 
if things get out of hand on opening night or even in the preseason between the two teams, if they have a game or two, you have to know the league is going to uh, shove a rocket up his backside and he's going to be the first NHL player to go into orbit. Okay. But I love, I mean, I, we both know I love rivalries and if anything happens and the Rangers come out looking better in it and by looking better, I mean winning the fights um, and potentially winning the game. It's only going to ignite the rivalry further. It's going to turn those into must-see hockey games. Well, did Barclay Goudreau not already kick that off by saying it's going to be interesting? Oh, there's there's no question in my mind that he was talking about Tom Wilson. I don't think anyone has a question in their mind that he was talking about Tom you, Wilson. Yes, if you didn't pick up on it. Um, he might as well read. have been wearing a, ta- a Wilson jersey with like a big circle and a slash through it across <laughs> Wilson's name and number. Uh, I mean, he didn't quite hang him in effigy uh, during his uh, presser, but. Yeah, no. If you know hockey, you know what he was talking about. And that's fun. We mentioned earlier in the show, uh, and we're really, really running a little bit heavy on time. Yeah. Jonathan Taze, all indications, he will be back uh, playing for the Blackhawks. Mm -hmm. Um, And this is honestly the best hockey health news um, in a while. Um, Toronto Sun story... um, This is uh, in relation to something he had tweeted, uh, and this is a quote from Taze uh, in a video that was on his that was on Twitter. So what they're calling it is chronic uh, inflammatory response syndrome, where I just couldn't quite recover, and my immune system was reacting to everything I did. I saw this, yeah. I any kind of stress, anything I would do throughout the day had a stress response. So I took some time. That was the frustrating part, not knowing how or when we were going to get over the hump. Uh, at some point between the time of this tweet and video and when he uh, and today or the last week, um, it's worth noting that cap friendly moved him from injured reserve to active. Um, so the cap numbers that you're hearing more recently uh, are definitely including him uh, in that total versus being on injured reserve. And that is why the, uh, that is why the Chicago Blackhawks have over 82 million uh, accounted for this season and no first round pick. Um, he's considered to be he's expected to be on the active roster. So looking at that team right now in the Western Conference, even if you question the defense, oh, the got, offense makes them a playoff team. You've got Taze Kane. Brinkett, Johnson, Kubalik, uh, Dylan Strom. That's enough. I was not aware that they let that, that they lost Pew Suter. Uh, you get Kirby Doc as well. They got Kirby Doc. They drafted his brother. Uh, not that he'll be. I don't know that he'll be joining the team straight away. But Colton Doc, they drafted. But yeah, they, they lost. Actually, I did not. I did not. I was not aware they had lost Pew Suter. I saw him. Pew Suter say, was a UFA. I want to say he was. Old enough to be 
Um, I don't remember where I what uniform I saw him in. Was it Columbus or 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 Toronto or something like? That? So I. Elias Suter landed in uh, your your favorite city, Detroit. Ah, yes, that's right. The Red Wings. Pew Suter. So, I mean, I, they still have uh, they still have pretty good offense with, uh, and, you know, Taze comes back. You got, again, Debrinkin and Kane and everybody. The defense should be... Adequate? Adequate. I mean, Seth Jones obviously is, is your number one, uh, without a doubt. Yes. Um, they... After that, can I name the rest of the defense? Probably not. Nope. I'd have to look it up. But yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't, I don't know that they're going to be making any kind of deep run. They did bring in Mark Andre Fleury, which was another surprising. Yeah, where did that come from? Surprising get. I'm not surprised he's not in Vegas anymore. I am surprised he landed there. Yeah. I, I okay. Uh, the rest of the defense, and we're probably going to have to wrap after this. <laughs> Calvin DeHaan, Jake McCabe, Connor Murphy, Riley Stillman, uh, Wyatt uh, Kalniak, and then Caleb Jones as the Caleb. seven. Hey, they got the Jones brothers. They got the Doc brothers. Hey, what is with what is with the the nepotism thing going on in Chicago? I just don't know, but I believe it's time to uh, head out the door. Any last thoughts for the uh, for our listeners? Um, any last thoughts? Uh, thank you, thank you, Congress, for at least at least getting halfway to the final to the finish line on. Uh, awarding Willie O'Ree with the highest honor, the Congressional Gold Medal. Uh, it's a bipartisan measure to honor him. It passed the House Chamber on Tuesday. It now must be, I mean, it passed the Senate Chamber on Tuesday. It now must be approved by the U.S. House of Representatives, and he gets it. So halfway there. Congratulations, and wish What's- you the best of luck, Krejci. Thank you. Yes, David Krejci, best of luck in Europe and Congress. Let's get uh, our heads out of our backsides for 45 seconds and get this done. Willie O'Ree is 85 years old. Um, This recognition is something that he should absolutely live to receive. Not that he acts like it, by the way. That man has got more energy than I think you and I combine sometimes. (laughs) This is true. (laughs) I, I am in awe of of him for a number of reasons and the fact that at 85 he is still globe trotting and doing grassroots efforts uh still helping the kids it's it's amazing and i absolutely love it um yes congress get off your butts finish this and thank you um, thank you, Willie O'Ree. Thank you, David Krejci. And Chris, another show in the books. Have a great week. Uh, we will talk again really, really soon.